Hello, everyone. We have another exciting episode from the 40 Guard Labs team. The Threat Intelligence Podcast is back for this week. And today, my name is Jonas, and I have another very interesting guest with me. I have Arturo Torres from Mexico joining the podcast. Arturo, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me, Jonas. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I've been here this podcast for a while, so I'm a big fan. Thanks uh, for saying that. I, you know, Arturo, I remember we met a few years ago back in Vancouver. You're from Mexico. I was working back then in Switzerland. We both were part of Fortinet, joining from different teams to these meetings. And now, a couple of years later, we work in the same team. We are covering the threats all across the world. And this is a little bit something which I would like to cover today because the threat landscape is changing every single day. And we are in a unique position because we have so much telemetry data out there. And you and I, we have been analyzing the threats quite closely of regarding what was happening the last three months. And you're taking care of the Latin America region. So I would like to hear from you a little bit. First of all, why is Fortinet in such a great position when it comes to telemetry data? But then also, what kind of threats do you see in the Latin America region? Yeah, 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 of course. So uh, one of the main things that uh, makes Fortinet and FortiGuard Labs uh, one of the most or amazing uh, cyber threat intelligence teams, it's uh, all related about uh, visibility, right? Because uh, as you already know, we have an amazing visibility across uh, the industries and around the world. Uh, we have a lot of uh, cybersecurity sensors deployed around the world that uh, help us to detect all those cybersecurity events, right? So we always uh, have information related to what are the vulnerabilities and exploit techniques, right? That uh, all the attackers try to exploit. Uh, what kind of uh, malicious files or malware, uh, malware campaigns are across the industries. So if we're gonna talk about uh, what's going on in Latin America, uh, it's something uh, similar to the world uh, detections. So you want to talk about the exploits uh, during this quarter, and we already expect that uh, the most detected exploitation technique in Latin America and Caribbean, and of course around the world, uh, was the one related to the vulnerability uh, known as Log4Shell or Log4J, right? So th this is very important for us because uh, we already know that uh, there's a lot of devices or system that are vulnerable to this uh, exploitation. So this is, this is a great information for us. Definitely. And I remember when the first signatures were triggered back in December last year. It was just the last few days of the quarter. But even if we looked at the statistical data back then, the volume was so high that it overtook all the other ones and it ranked among the top one spot for the whole quarter, even though it was only prevalent for a few Days And this trend was then continuing in Q1 2022. So when I look at the Asia Pacific region, for example, we see a very similar trend as you just explained in Latin America. It's definitely still on the top because threat actors are still able to get a lot of value out of it and they can abuse this vulnerability to gain access to certain environments. And it's probably not going to stop anytime soon because I think if you and I, we look at older signatures, for example, from 2018, 19, 20, 
a lot of them are still ranking among the top 10. And it really shows that the threat actors are successful using known vulnerabilities to gain access to critical infrastructure and infrastructure and environments in general. So when we when we talk about these threats, what else do you see in, in Latin America, which you think we should uh, highlight here? Well, there's another uh, ex exploit techniques, right? But, but everything is related to vulnerabilities. So if uh, one recommendation that uh, we need to know uh, and, and we need to get in practice, right, is to have a strategy to to patch all these vulnerabilities, right? This, because uh, you, you already know that uh, there's uh, some other vendors like, uh, I don't know, Microsoft, that they release every Wednesday or every week or every, every amount of time information about uh, new updates, security updates to, to patch all these vulnerabilities, right? So this kind of information uh, also, uh, if we talk about Log4j, uh, we release uh, an amazing blog for our, our friend of ours, right? Uh, Fred and Sunichi related to what happened with Log4j, what happened with the vulnerabilities and of course recommendations. So this is a great example of how we can use threat intelligence uh, with all the visibility that we already have with Explorers, right? Yeah, definitely. I think you were mentioning the MAP program, which we have with Microsoft. So whenever there's Patch Tuesday, we get some of the information in advance. So we can put in security layers to stop these kind of threats before they were able to exploit the vulnerability itself, even the system is not patched. But I completely agree with you in the end. It's about being fast, but also making sure these endpoint devices are covered in the end. So the vulnerabilities are not able to be exploited and give the threat actors access to these environments. But besides exploits and vulnerabilities, we also see a lot of different malware on the, on the horizon. And here, though, when I look at the top 10 for the regions I'm covering, I do still see a very high amount of social engineering attacks, like, for example, Crixos, which we have been covering for quite a while now, and other web-based malware. What is your feeling about the whole web-based malware industry, which we see these days? Well, uh, I got to be honest with you. I think it's uh, one of the most effective ways to for the adversaries to, to infect devices, right? Because... It's uh, about social engineering, about phishing. Uh, they can use exploit kits to uh, take advantage of vulnerabilities of, for browsers, for example, right? And uh, of course, once the victim is infected, uh, all those devices uh, can be taken over uh, other, like redirected to, to other malicious websites, right? So they can use uh, all these infected devices to commit several crimes, like uh, credential theft, uh, uh, like automated spam and, of course, DDoS attacks, right? Definitely. And when we look at these attacks, just Crixos, for example, they are very popular with fake notification messages. So they will have some pop-up messages in your browser. And browsers are something which everyone is using on a daily basis. And these messages let you know, hey, you have a virus on your computer. You should call these phone numbers. So we have some scams, but we also then have devices being infected while browsing these websites. So often, unfortunately, this leads for remote attackers getting access to then environments. And web-based malware is super, super popular because 
it's running in an operating systems browser. So it's a little bit more agnostic and it doesn't need to require running on the underlying, underlying operating system. And when we look at the data, I think it speaks for itself. There are millions of malicious URLs distributed by multiple channels on a daily basis. And they are pretty prevalent across every single region, across every single country. And cybercrime is definitely working heavily with, with these kind of uh, environments. Yeah, yeah, of course. But because if you think about it, we have uh, a browser even in our pocket, right? So you, you will receive a message from your, uh, I don't know, favorite social network with a link or even uh, maybe uh, a game that you have in your tablet or, or in your cell phone. And if you click to that uh, link, you can be redirected to a malicious website, right? But on the other hand, uh, for example, countries like Mexico, Argentina, Chile, uh, we are seeing uh, a strong distribution of malware, uh, but uh, related with Office documents, right? Mostly Excel. So this is uh, quite interesting for me. I don't know if you saw that in your region too. Yeah, definitely, because Microsoft Office is running in a lot of environments as well. And additionally, what actually too, not too many people know is that Microsoft Office documents, they can execute code with macros enabled. So threat actors are using these techniques since many, many years, and they are weaponizing Word files, Excel files, and sending them over email phishing campaigns. And I think just recently, when we think about what has been happening in a lot of different places where governments were telling their citizens whether they can work from home or going back to the offices, I have come across many, many attacks where attackers were impersonating HR departments and telling their employees that they will find their new work schedule in this email attachment, which is a Microsoft Office document. So people were looking for it because people wanted to know, can I work from home? Do I need to go back to the office? So threat actors were really relying on the curiosity of humans, which is very traditional when it comes to social engineering attacks. But I believe that's one of the main reasons why office documents are being heavily weaponized these days. Yeah, and if you think about it, uh, just uh, as think about this question, right? Uh, how many times per day did you open an office, an office document, right? So I think maybe 10, 20, uh, everything is dependent on your role, right? But, but for sure, you uh, at least one or two times per day, you open a Word or Excel or PowerPoint file, right? Yeah, definitely. It's very prevalent. And there's a lot of information in there, which people sometimes want to know when it comes to these phishing attacks. And the phishing attacks are getting more and more sophisticated. It's not this old story that just a random guy wants to give you a lot of money. They're really targeted regarding the current events on this planet. And they make the story much more credible and believable and harder to detect more often than not. One more trend which I find is quite concerning and I would like to have a little bit your opinion on that is when we look at botnets. Because when I look at Asia Pacific countries, we do have a tremendous amount of botnet activity. And <coughs> the way we measure the botnet activity is we check what kind of IP addresses and domains are known to be a botnet. So known to be malicious and also known to be a command and control server. 
So whenever we see devices trying to reach out to these malicious URLs or domains, we know there's probably an infected device inside the corporate network because otherwise it wouldn't reach out to this specific domain. And now when I look at the numbers, there are a above 50%, 60% for some of the botnets, which would mean that more than 50% or one out of two computers is infected with this kind of malware. What, what is your view on the botnet landscape these days? Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's it's uh, pretty the same thing in, in my region. Uh, and if you think about it, uh, th that's, uh, that's what we as a defender uh, call command and control servers, right? That, that's that's the way that uh, all the infected devices get more uh, instructions or uh, updates for, for new uh, activities that they need to perform, right, for, for, for the command and control servers. So uh, one of the, the most active campaigns actually uh, in, La in Latin America, and I'm sure that in, in every single region, it's Mirai, right? Mirai, it's uh, an IoT botnet and continues to be the most active botnet campaign around the world. Uh, it's uh, a Linux IoT-based malware uh, that causes infected machines to join a botnet uh, used uh, to perform DDoS attacks around the world or specific industries. Definitely. It's again, what is out there? What kind of devices can be infected? And Linux IoT environments are very, very prevalent because most IoT systems run on Linux operating systems. But there's one more botnet or a few of them, which I monitor quite closely because the one you just mentioned, Mirai, we know it's still active. There are a lot of command and control servers out there who are sending commands to the infected devices. But there are also other botnets which have been taken down by law enforcement years ago. But we do still a decent amount of activity regarding these botnets. So even though partially the command and control server is completely down. The infected machines are still trying to reach out to these environments. And this is a concerning situation because it really shows that a lot of infected machines from many, many years ago are still trying to reach out to that command and control server, which shows that cyber hygiene is probably something which we need to have a closer look on because otherwise these devices wouldn't reach out to their counterpart. Yeah, yeah, I, I've been thinking for that for a while. So it's it's very interesting because uh, maybe it's it's something related to uh, even even also like uh, cybersecurity culture, right? Because if you have a if you know that you have an infected device and you are seeing uh, maybe an event in your CM or maybe in your in your uh, Windows machine that says that uh, one device is communicating communicating to a command and control server or malicious domain. Uh, and you don't have the 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 exact tools or the culture to try to clean this device to get out the infection of the, the, the device. The device will continue to try to reach out the command and control server, right? Uh, there's another uh, research studies that says that uh, all these domain campaigns on all these uh, infected device try to use uh, those domain as a proxy to uh, to download other other type of, of types of malware, right? So there's a lot of activity there that it's uh, that is very interesting to talk about it, right? Yeah, you mentioned a really interesting or important point here. Just because the command and control server is not reachable anymore, 
some of these botnet malwares, they have different kinds of purposes. It's not just waiting for someone to give them a command. Maybe in the meantime, they gather a lot of sensitive information or being abused for certain kind of spam campaigns and they are acting on their own behalf. Maybe they have a different IP, which they will check at the later stage programmed with a timer. So just because it's a dead, known as a dead botnet, it doesn't mean we can ignore it and we don't need to clean up the environment. Yeah, yeah, of course, and and uh, there's another campaigns that are, that are, that uh, are interesting to talk about. Uh, I don't know if, if in Asia Pacific you are seeing the Ghost Rat botnet, uh, because uh, this specific campaign it's very active in the countries of Latin America, uh, and this specific campaign allows the attackers to take full control of the infected systems or or machines, and record keystrokes, uh, access like uh, webcams microphones and of course download and upload files to other uh, maybe servers right so this is very important because uh, if you think about it we we work for anywhere right now so if you have an infected device in your house that infected device maybe it's controlled by an attacker and can uh, maybe scan your internal or your home network right definitely the malwares are getting more and more sophisticated and more powerful so we can definitely not ignore them and we need to clean up these environments as fast as possible if we know they are affected. Arturo, this was another great podcast. It was a pleasure to have you and I can't wait to have you for another one. Any last words from your side? Well, just to thank you for, for having me. I'm very happy to be here with you and I'm, I'm looking forward for the next version of the podcast. Definitely. I'm uh, excited as well. And for everyone listening in, thanks so much for joining once again. And we hear you in another two weeks.